On this edition of Kiwi Tripsters, we celebrate the great outdoors in Murchison and surrender to the frenzy of Australasian gannets at Cape Kidnappers. We take to the rail carts with Forgotten World Adventures and head far north to Whangarei to check out their soothing scenic drives. Welcome back to Kiwi Tripsters. Buckle up and take off to spectacular destinations as we continue our journey and share the inside word on all things travel. Whether it's luxury travel or backpacking on a budget, whether it's cruising or foodie trips, we've got you covered with top tips and tricks so you can have an amazing travel experience. And now, over to your hosts, Mike Yardley and Chris Lynch. Welcome aboard, everybody, to another exciting an interesting edition of Kiwi Tripsters. I'm Chris Lynch. I'm Mike Yardley. Very good to be with you. Good to see you, Mike. Now, autumn has begun in New Zealand. Yes. The leaves are falling off the trees. I'm not sure if I'm ready for this, but at least it's beautiful mm-hmm. uh, this time of the year. I know you've been outdoors in the likes of Murchison, and yes. that's uh, very autumnal at this time of the year, isn't it? Certainly is, uh, and um, still warm at the top of the South Island. The thing about Murchison is when you arrive there, you will notice that to the right of the town, you've got one national park, Nelson Lakes, and to the other, to the left-hand side, another national park, Kahurangi National Park. So it's wedged between these two fabulous outdoorsy jewels. Um, And it's such a really cool hub, not just for outdoors adventures, but all sorts of um, little historic nuggets that you can discover in the town of Murchison, which, uh, like a lot of West Coast towns, um, enjoyed the the gold mining boom, then the timber boom, um, now the farming but there is a great sense of freedom to Murchison and the wider outdoors. We love freedom. Mm. We love freedom. Um, we also like walks, but uh, I'm in a, going through a lazy phase at the moment. I know you, you took a few um, short and sweet walks. What yes. were some of the standouts for you? Well, a really good one very close to the Murchison camping ground is called the Kahakatea Walk, and it's a serene 20-minute loop track, so really easy. The thing which makes it so fabulous is that it goes through a remnant of of lowland podocarp forest. And this is what once dominated all of the plains around the town of Murchison. So it's like a wee vestige of history. And it's absolutely thronging with bird life. Kereru, tui, robins, all fluttering about the kahakatea and matai trees. Uh, also close to town, another really good option is the Skyline Walk. Very self-explanatory, the name of this, because it starts down on the west bank of the Matakitaki River, just outside of town, like about two minutes' walk from the main street. And it will zigzag you up the hillside through the beach in the Potocarp Forest to the most amazing view above the bush line. So you will see the two national parks either side of Murchison, all of the rivers that flow around Murchison, and they sort of snake across the landscape like twisting silvered ribbons in the bright sunshine of the area. Um, And one other really good option, very popular as well, is the Maruia Falls Walk. It's a super short track off the main highway uh, down to this divine uh, cascade. And these falls were actually created as a result of the 1929 Murchison earthquake. But that's definitely a walk you'll want to do. I'm glad you mentioned that because I had a look at that uh, about a couple of months ago now. Uh, a friend and I just 
we're stopping off there. Mm-hmm. Isn't it interesting? It's one of those places where if you blink, you'll miss it. But yeah, it's it not one. It's not widely recognised. No. Or is that just me? I got there were lots of people there. Yeah. But I was kind of unaware of it. It doesn't get the the recognition I think it deserves. No, but that's maybe true. that's part of its magic. Yeah, it probably is. You could very easily miss it. That is very true. What you cannot miss in this part of the world around Murchison is the Buller Gorge. It's such a massive river, and you're very close to Murchison. You've got what they call the Upper Buller Gorge. Um, And what I love about it is this is where you go to walk across New Zealand's longest swing bridge, Chris. It's also the longest south of the equator. And if you suffer from the fear of crossing bridges, you suffer from the fear of Jeffryphobia. There's your word of the day. What on earth is that? Jeffryphobia, the fear of crossing a bridge. So you might get a twinge or two of Jeffryphobia as you walk across this hugely long swing bridge, but it is the most magnificent view from above that swing bridge. It's about six stories high, and it's longer than a rugby field getting across this bridge. But the Buller is such a beautiful, beautiful river. It's quite a violent river. And uh, mm. One local said to me, the Buller River is like a drunken, violent neighbour, very turbulent, um, very temperamental. Have had one of those yet? (laughs) Well, and it often floods. Um, And when you get across the swing bridge, they've got this fantastic loop walk that includes markers on how high the river has risen uh, in recent years during floods. It will rise as high as 12 metres. So she's a powerful river. There's also a lot of earthquake history around here, right? Yeah, absolutely. Once you've um, got across the swing bridge, you will also... uh, be able to follow the signposts on this loop walk to the White Creek Fault Line and you will see it. Uh, This was the epicentre of the 1929 Murchison earthquake which was New Zealand's third deadliest after Napier and Christchurch. It was a 7.8 mag quake that ruptured um, many moons ago and you can see the fault line on this loop track and how the ground was thrust up by four and a half metres. In the days leading up to the quake in Murchison, it was interesting, a lot of the locals heard a series of loud booms before the fault finally let rip and also on the loop walk there were some really cool vestiges from the 19th century gold mining boom and a replica miner's hut in the in the native bush. So many cool things here. What other excursions do you reckon pull the crowds? Well, something really popular in the area is um, a backcountry guided tour with a difference. It's called the Natural Flames Experience. It's very quirky, but tucked away deep in the bush close to Murchison is a seepage of natural gas that's been burning non-stop for nearly a century. And it's only been burning after a couple of curious farmers decided to set light to it (laughs) while they were out hunting. And it's been flickering away beneath the fern leaves ever since. So nowadays, because it's on private land, um, some intrepid enterprising locals have turned it into a guided tour and they'll cook you pancakes and boil you some billy tea on these natural flames. The other really popular tour in this area, by the way, is on the Buller Gorge. Um, it's obviously got a lot of white water in the Buller Gorge, so there's all sorts of white water rafting excursions and kayak excursions you can do. The other option is to take a spin on the Buller Canyon jet boat ride, which uh, is exhilarating. 
See, there's so much to do. Now, what about the long forgotten gold miners road um, that's kind of near there as well, just yes. out of Murchison, isn't it? The old ghost, ghost road, road trail. trail. Yes, indeed. You did that too. Well, I only did a wee bit of it because it actually takes you about three or four days to knock it off. But it leads from Lyle, just out of Murchison by the Buller Gorge, across to the west coast to Seddonville. So it's about 85 kilometres long, the old ghost road. But um, it is very, very popular. Popular, whether you want to do it by bike or on foot, most people mountain bike it, um, although you've got to be a pretty advanced mountain biker because you are navigating very narrow trails with seriously steep drop-offs. Um, but even if you want to do a wee section of it, I did about two hours walk in from Lyle and it's the most beautiful start uh, on the old Ghost Road Trail through Native Bosch and Forgotten Valleys. There's, there's something really spiritual about it. It's a must do. Let's now take you to the wildlife gem that is Cape Kidnappers, pinned to the edge of the Hawke's Bay. And uh, you've been on a few tours this way. Yes. A tractor tour, in fact. There are two options you can do, Chris. I want the tractor, thank you. That sounds yes. cool. Yes, I can see you sitting in the trailer of the tractor on the tractor trailer tour. With a glass of bubbles. Yeah, well, I don't know if that's included. But this has actually been a really long-standing tour option around Cape Kidnappers, which takes you around the base of the cliffs uh, to the Gannett Colony. The other option is Gannett Safari Tours, which is an overland romp across the cliff top high country of Cape Kidnapper Station. But either way, whatever tour you opt for, they are both running until the end of April. And, of course, the star attraction, aside from the scenery, is that the fact that these tours zip you up close and personal with the largest, most accessible and, indeed, smelliest mainland gannet colony on the planet, Chris Lynch. Well, yeah, I know you like your, your, your birds, so let's talk about the bird life um, activity as well. It is fever pitch at this time fever of year. Fever pitch? Fever pitch. It is frenetic. It's just a feathered frenzy of birdies. Um, the Cape kept well away from the colonies, thank you. Well, you can actually get probably within, I would say, a metre of these birds. And at this time of year, there are 20,000 of these squawking, fornicating and nesting Australasian gannets. Um, it is a full-on frenzy of mating, of rampant adultery. They are not faithful to their partners, these birdies. They're all over the shop. But what I love about the gannets is their distinctive markings. They've got that black eye patch and that pale gold crown on their head. They're beautiful. Uh, the chicks that are born at Cape Kidnappers will take flight for Australia about four months after they're born. So late April is the prime departure time. Their trans-Tasman bubble is open. And it's a very high-stakes mission to get across the Tasman for these guys because it takes them about eight days. And if they land anywhere in New Zealand or indeed on the Tasman Sea, they will not be able to take off again because they will be too fat. So it's a do-or-die flight. And if they make it to Australia... They'll stay put there for about three or four years before returning home. But they're not flash odds. Only 15% of gannet chicks that leave Cape Kidnappers make it back. Isn't that sad? It's very, very sad, Mike. Mm. Um, can we move on to luxury, please? Yes. Thank you. What about that farm that was featured on Lap of Luxury a couple of weeks ago? Um, yes. 
any any specials going? They have sharpened the price. Yes, if you, if you did see the farm at Cape Kidnappers on Lap of Luxury, um, they are running a summertime special. So they've knocked about four hundred bucks off the price per night. Uh, it's now about nine hundred dollars a night to stay at the farm, but it is absolute five star luxury. And I love how they have uh, very much designed it as like a tribute to sheep. Um, stations of New Zealand, uh, sheep farming. Um, And the other thing is, if you happen to live in Hawke's Bay, they do run a locals special. So if you want to dine at the farm or indulge in the spa, which is very much your specialty, Chris, uh, yeah, they are running some very deeply discounted deals for locals. How luxurious is this place? Uh, Super luxurious. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's not over the top. It is sort of understated luxury, but you certainly will not be short of comforts and frills. Um, It is one of Julian Robertson's lodges, Um, the most amazing wine cellar, Uh, incredible infinity pools with a hot tub. Uh, You get your pre-dinner drinks if you are staying overnight with hors d'oeuvres. You get the gourmet dinner, full breakfast, complimentary in-room mini bar. And the setting is just beautiful, strung across rolling farmland and the rugged cliffs with those sea views. Uh, It also has that award-winning Tom Doak-designed golf course. And the main lodge itself overlooks the working farm, so you can go and uh, do all sorts of on-site experiences. There are Can-Am tours, horseback tours, and lots of uh, walking trails to hike as well. Yeah. Um, the wildlife sanctuary there is very popular too, right? Oh, it's amazing. Uh, and Julian Robertson, the lodge owner, and his neighbour, Andy Lowe, they invested mega bucks on safeguarding the eastern side of Cape Kidnappers. So they've turned it into New Zealand's largest private wildlife sanctuary. They studded it with a 10-kilometre-long predator-proof fence. Wow. Um, so, yeah, they've got 5,000 acres of sanctuary uh, within this predator-proof fence. Um, since the fence went up, 2,000 feral cats have been shot on site. So it's kept most predators out, apart from the feral cats, that they continue to shoot. Um, But they have done so well on the conservation front because it is a major breeding sanctuary for kiwi. And the brown kiwi particularly have been so successful in terms of the breeding program that they've actually reached capacity at the sanctuary. They've got 80 breeding pairs of eastern brown kiwi um, to the point now that like, there's no room in the inn. You so see, that's a really good positive story. It is. So any kiwi born there are now translocated out to other sanctuaries. Any other noteworthy areas before we move on? Yes, just quickly, if you like your wine, obviously Hawke's Bay is synonymous with wine. Mm. Um, just down the road from Cape Kidnappers is Elephant Hill, and I love Elephant Hill because uh, the wine is fabulous, obviously. The sea views at Elephant Hill are incredible. So drink it in over a glass or two. I adore their Syrah. And by the way, they are sticklers for sustainability, just as one example of how sustainable they are at Elephant Hill. They have their own biological water treatment system. Wow. So they will recycle all of the winery wastewater back into purified clean water on site. And then create some more wine. Probably. It's a wonderful wine destination. It's like the old backyard of Bromley. How, how, <laughs> how magnificent. Coming up, uh, we take to the rail carts with Forgotten World Adventures and we'll take a, ro- a roadie around Whangarei's scenic sites. Yeah. 
You're with Kiwi Tripsters. I'm Chris Lynch. Now, if you're planning a visit to the King Country, the chance to ride the retired rails with Forgotten World Adventures should top your checklist. Mike, you've given the abandoned railway line a, a bit of a go, if I can say that. A bit of a romp. Bit of a romp? What? You can't romp anyway. Well, many listeners may have driven the Forgotten World Highway, which connects Taranaki to the King Country. But I actually think the rail carts is the way to do it. So this is a decommissioned railway line that used to run between Stratford and Tomaranui. It was mothballed by Kiwi Rail in 2010. And then this very enterprising farmer came along, Ian Balm. He dreamt big and secured a long-term lease to operate uh, semi-guided tours on this old railway line. So over the past 10 years or so, he has turned what was a rusting eyesore into a truly visionary tourism business on this 140-kilometre-long railway track. It's pretty cool. Mm. I haven't done this before. How long does the route take to complete? Well, you've got a couple of options. The most popular is the day trip, which is a 20-tunnel tour. It takes 10 hours to ride to Funga Mamona. If you want to go all the way to Stratford, it's a two-day tour, which uh, includes sleeping overnight in Funga Mamona. But if you are tight on time, there are some shorter tours. Uh, I joined the 10-tunnel rail cart tour to uh, Tokarima, and that's a five-hour tour, 40 k's return from Tomaranui. The great thing about that tour, the 10-hour, uh, sorry, the 10-tunnel tour, that's a lot well, of Take that after a couple of whiskeys. The 10-tunnel tour. tour to Tokarima. Um, <laughs> the really good thing about that tour is it does include the longest tunnel on the line, and it took 10 years to carve this tunnel. It was hand laid with over three and a half million bricks, but kids just love how jet black the darkness is inside it. And it's bone chillingly cold as well in the middle of that very long tunnel. Okay, so did you enjoy it? I loved it. Just making sure. Totally escapist, absolutely. All right, what about, um, what were you riding and what's your mode of transport, by the way? Well, the funny thing is these uh, rail carts are essentially converted golf carts from Arizona. So they are self-driving golf carts. Uh, and that's what makes this rail journey so unique. Uh, they're very zippy. You've got a brake and an accelerator. Sounds fun. Uh, they are clamped onto the rail tracks. So you can't go off the rails, Chris. Um, you won't be touching the steering wheel. You're just stop and go, stop and go, stop and go as you clatter along the tracks. Um, but it's really scenic, beautiful valleys and creased hills. The countryside is sprinkled with ramshackle old houses. Um, there are vestiges of the boom times, like you'll see traces of the old timber mills in the coal mining industry. Um, and it is actually quite sobering as you go through the countryside to reflect on just how dramatic the population changes in some of these settlements has been over the decades. Okay, and um, there is a river option as well, isn't there? Yes, uh, the Forgotten World Jet, absolutely. Uh, They actually operate the longest commercial river tours in the Southern Hemisphere on the Whanganui River. So what you can do is you can actually trip all the way to Whanganui from Tomaranui on the jet boat. And what really struck me was just how much volcanic material has stamped its presence on the river. There are these like massive pumice boulders um, which apparently had been heaved into the sky during past eruptions and have then sort of settled on on the riverbanks. And you can see how 
the exposed sandstone cliffs on the riverbanks have been topped with just layer upon layer of volcanic ash. It's a stunning sight. How long do you reckon you need to do this era justice? Because one thing I always can never decide, then I always think, oh, I'll have to come back. Yeah. Not that it's a bad thing, but what do you reckon? Well, I reckon a couple of days, um, and you can that way do the combination trip, whereby from Tomaranui, you can clatter down the railway line to Taranaki and then head back to Tomaranui by jet boat, which includes going through the bridge to nowhere. But the Kiwi love affair with anything DIY is huge, and that mm. is what I think makes the rail carts such a winner, the idea that you are essentially piloting yourself along 160 kilometres of old rail tracks. The other option or the other um, suggestion I would make is stay a night uh, at Funga Mamona at uh, uh, the old pub, which is where you can get your passport stamped at the hotel in the self-proclaimed Republic of Funga Mamona, which is truly one of New Zealand's legendary watering holes. Well, if the weather is starting to feel autumnal in your neck of the woods and it's starting to feel quite a little bit cold and chilly in Christchurch. Yes, crisp mornings. Whangarei is mm. calling you. And uh, I, love, I love this part of the country. I reckon it's always a bit under... under Stated? Yes, thank you. Underrated? Yeah. Underpublicised? All of the above. Well, we're here to correct to, to that. change that. Absolutely. Um, it's become a bit of a thriving um, city almost of adventure now, I reckon. There is a hell of a lot to do in Whangarei. Uh, the town basin has all of your eating and entertainment haunts, particularly around the quay. I love the quay. Um, they've got a really cool street art walk, uh, which stitches together all of the large-scale art murals. Um, they've got the Huntertwasa Art Centre. And one of my favourites in Whangarei, Clapham's National Clock Museum, which is this world-acclaimed storehouse for one of the largest and most historically significant collections of timepieces. And you will be astounded by how cool some of these old clocks are in this ticking time-warped wonderland. Okay, and there's some great scenic drives to take from Whangarei. For example, you've got that loop drive. Yes. It's quite popular, isn't it? Tutakaka loop drive. Yeah, that's the one. Yes, that's the two-hour Tutakaka Coaster Loop Drive, and it's so photogenic. I love how you've got a string of villages, one after another along the coast, all in a blissed-out state of seclusion. No wonder it's such a magnet for creative types and hippies and the bohemian class. Yep, Really convivial pubs, though, along that coast. And, of course, the popularity of this route might also have something to do with the fact a lot of people go to Poor Nights Islands to do a little bit of diving uh, just off the Tutakaka coast. Okay, and what else has struck you that's pretty nice there? They've got very tall kāri, don't they? Yes, uh, tucked in the hills behind Tutakaka is a four-hour return walk to enjoy some face time with a real timber treasure. Now, obviously, people will have heard of Tane Mahuta further up um, in Northland, but Tanu Moana is the East Coast rock star of Northland, the largest coldy survivor on the East Coast. She's nearly 30 metres tall, uh, about 200 years old, and apparently previous generations of locals in the Tutakaka area used to go 
and sit under this tree for a Christmas Day picnic. That's how they rolled on Christmas Day back in the day. Um, But it is quite a slog, this four-hour return walk, to get some face time with Moana. Absolutely worth doing. Fair enough. What else about this uh, loop is quite extraordinary? Well, I topped off my Tutakaka loop uh, sortie by taking in some of those insanely gorgeous northern beaches north of Tutakaka. Whale Bay. Wow. Whale Bay is just a sight to behold, particularly with its Pahutas, uh, Pahutaka was in bloom uh, in the early summer, and it's so unpeopled. And I also love how you can access the beach by walking through this grove of ancient Puriri trees. But yes, the sheer abundance of pristine beaches on Northland's east coast will really Mm. surprise you. Now, we don't want to miss out the likes of the Whangarei Heads either. That road is beautiful. Yeah, it is such a great drive. So from Whangarei, first of all, you head to Onorahi, which is essentially a a suburb of Whangarei. And from there, you snake your way along the peninsula's pencil-thin road all the way to that great fixture in the Auckland Marine weather forecast, Breamhead. Whenever you're in Auckland and you're listening to the radio... Breamhead to Cape Breamhead to Cape Colville, absolutely. It's weird that I know that, isn't it? <laughs> um, what's your, but uh, what's your favourite walking track? Well, on that uh, peninsula road, yeah. you will see Mount Manaya jutting up. Um, jutting the, up? Jutting up, yeah. It's a really toothy, fanged mountain. And the walkway to its summit to those toothy pinnacles was my absolute highlight walk. Um, It's very reminiscent of some of the scenes you see from the likes of Tahiti or Rarotonga with those sort of fang-like mountain peaks. Mount Manaya is much like that. But, yeah, it's a bit of a slog to get up to the top, but absolutely uh, worth doing, Chris. Okay. And uh, you've also got, is it it Waipu? Is that still the Scottish hotbed right now? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. If you head south from Whangarei, uh, just past Marsden Point, um, you will see the sprawling arc of Bream Bay and all of the white sandy beaches of Bream Bay all the way to Waipu. What makes Waipu really, really special is that um, the town was founded in terms of European settlement by 900 settlers who sailed to Waipu via Nova Scotia, and they were all Scottish. So they've got massive murals at Waipu Cove, which celebrate the Great Pacific Migration, uh, but also that of the Scots, uh, those 900 original settlers. And um, they also staged the most fabulous Highland Games in Waipu. Well, thank you so much for joining us on Kiwi Tripsters. On our next edition, we will be showcasing the variety of adventures you can do in the Manawatu region. The mighty Manawatu. Yes, uh, be sure to like our Facebook page and our show notes for this edition are available on the website kiwitripsters.co.nz. Plus, don't forget to rate us and review Kiwi Tripsters on the podcast service of your choice. We hope to catch you again in a couple of weeks' time. And that's a wrap for this episode of Kiwi Tripsters. Liked what you listened to? Then join us for our next episode of Kiwi Tripsters, where we bring you more travel inspiration, giveaways, and insider knowledge with expert guests on the show. Connect with us on Facebook and Instagram, and visit us on kiwitripsters.co.nz. But most importantly, subscribe and comment on Apple Podcasts, and tell us what you think of our show. Till next time. 
Safe travels.